we are honored by God. We are precious, we are loved, and we are honored by God. Psalms 103, Part 5. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. We welcome all of you joining us by television, and those of you joining us online at brothersoftheword.com or social media. Welcome to today's service. Always a wonderful delight and joy to have you to tune in and join us. I would like to share just a little humor. A man is struggling to find a parking spot. And so he prays. He says, Lord, he said, I can't stand this. You know, I'm late. He said, if you open up a space for me, I swear I'll give up drinking and I go to church every Sunday. Suddenly the clouds part. The sun shines on an empty parking spot. And without hesitation, the man says, never mind, God, I found one. (laughs) Well, we've been having such a wonderful time. We've been sharing Psalms 103, Psalms 103, and this is part five, Psalms 103, part five. And we've been having just a wonderful time taking a look at this powerful psalm that we are to utilize in our lives today. So it's a power-packed psalm, has so many wonderful benefits, and we're called to remember them. We're called not to let any of the wonderful privileges that God has granted us to slide from us or to pass from us, but we're to be cognizant of them. And and we're to actively call them to our remembrance and we're to celebrate them and live in them because they are the keys to our victory here in life to remember the wonderful things that God has done for us. And so we're doing part five. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. And so these are things that God's always actively doing in our lives. He's constantly forgiving you. He's constantly healing you. He's constantly redeeming your life from destruction. And then here at the latter part of verse four is where we pick up today. It says, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now we begin to see the affectionate part of God. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is a picture of royalty. It's royal honor. And so literally what it's saying is God is literally honoring you. He honors you. He honors you. So the crown represents honor, represents honor. He honors you with his love. He honors you with his favor. So it's a crown of honor. It represents royalty. In fact, I started reading over in the book of Revelations just a couple of weeks ago. In chapter one, I believe it's verse six. It talks about how much Jesus loves us 
and that he gave himself for us and he washed us by his blood. Then it goes on to say, after he did all of that, it goes on to say, he has made us kings and priests. I love that. And so it's a picture of royalty. The crown is a picture of royalty. And so he crowns us. He honors you, brings you into the royal family, brings you into the royal family. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's love and honor and favor. It's love, it's honor, it's favor. It's God's way of saying that the king's favor is on you. The king's favor is on you. That's represented by the crown. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. His love, his honor, is his favor. He's saying that you're in the royal family and he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. We get a picture of that over in the book of Esther. I want you to listen to this verse out of the book of Esther, chapter 2, verse 17. And it says, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen. That's a picture of God crowning us with his honor, his love, his grace. He crowns us. He honors us. He loves us. He graces us. It's a picture of his graciousness, his kindness, his beauty, his pleasantness. He places all of this on us. We are made attractive. We receive the charm of God, the loveliness of God. The crown actually means his affectionate regard. It means it's a picture of God being compassionate toward us, being favorably inclined toward us. And so when the king put the crown on Esther, it was the king's way of saying, you found favor in my sight and I honor you. I love you. I put my grace on you. I put my honor on you and all of the beauty and all of the esteem that goes with this crown is placed on you. And so that's a picture of what God has done for us, how God loves us and cherishes us. There's a verse over in the book of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 43, but it talks about three things that we are precious, that we are loved, that we are honored by God. We are precious we are loved and we are honored by God. Say that with me. I am precious. I am loved. I am honored by God. You're precious in God's sight. He loves you and he honors you. He honors you. You're precious. You're loved and you're honored by God. I love that. I love that. So it's a wonderful picture of God's affectionate regard for us. A wonderful picture of his favor and his grace. We also get that same picture when King David, when he brought in Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, he brought him in and sat him at the king's table. He brought in basically a reject, an outcast. He brought him in and sat him at the king's table. Once again, it's a picture of God bringing us in when we were not worthy, 
when we were outcasts, when there was no favor on us. He sits you at the king's table. It's his way of placing his honor, his love, and his grace. It's a crown which he crowns us with. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Praise God. Praise God. I love that. Also in Psalms 103, in the same chapter in which we're studying, you would notice this in verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. One translation says, abounding in loving kindness. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy, abounding in loving kindness. That's what he crowns us with. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know why Jonah was running from God? You know why Jonah decided to be disobedient? And we know when God told Jonah to to go to Nineveh, he had an assignment for him to go to Nineveh and to pronounce judgment that God would destroy the place. And Jonah ran from that assignment, you know, and he went down to Joppa and he went down to the seaside, down to the boat, down to the bottom of the boat went overboard down into the whale's belly, and then the whale took him down to the bottom of the earth to the ocean's floor. So his life went down. (laughs) His life went down when he went away from what God wanted him to do. But you know why Jonah didn't want to deliver God's message? You know why Jonah was willing to disobey God and not deliver that message to Nineveh? It's very interesting. It's not what you think. It's not the reason. It's not because it was a hard assignment. It's not because it was something difficult or tough. It's actually very interesting. It's very interesting. It actually makes you smile when you find out the real reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. The real reason he didn't want to carry out God's assignment. Here's the real reason. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, it tells us very clearly what the reason is. Jonah is speaking himself. He says, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew... He's talking to God. He said, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. In other words, you're one who relents from doing harm. In other words, Jonah didn't want to go deliver that message of judgment because he knew God was merciful. He knew God was kind. He knew God was gracious. He knew God wasn't going to do it. He knew God wasn't going to destroy him. He knew God loved him too much. He knew God was just too wonderful of a person to do it. And so Jonah didn't want to make himself look bad by going in there to say God's going to destroy you, you all, if you all don't get right. He didn't want to go and say that because he knew how merciful God was. He knew how gracious God was. He knew how kind God was. He knew God wasn't going to do it. So Jonah didn't want to go and pronounce judgment because he knew God was merciful. He knew God was kind. He knew God was gracious. He knew God doesn't like destroying people. He knew the character of God. He knew the nature of God. It's not the nature of God to destroy. He knew that. And that's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh to deliver a message of judgment. 
because he knew God all too well. Isn't that good? Man, no, good. Nobody's ever preached that. I've never heard it preached. Nobody's ever preached that. They only talk about Jonah was disobedient. But Jonah was disobedient because he said, God, you're so good. God, you're so gracious. God, you're so kind. God, you're so merciful. You will never destroy them. You will never turn back from doing them good. That's why he didn't want to go and pronounce judgment. He didn't want to make himself look bad because he didn't want to go in there and say, God's going to kill y'all if y'all don't straighten up. Because he knew God's not in the killing business. God is not in the destroying business. God is always seeking to turn hearts toward him. He's always looking to restore. He's always looking to heal. He's always looking to bless He's always looking to do good. But isn't that good? God is even good to his enemies. These people in Nineveh, they were not the people of God. So they were considered enemies to the Israelites. These were enemies. God is so good. The Bible says that he is kind to the evil and the unthankful. It's because the evil and the unthankful, they get the overflow of God's goodness. I mean, they get the overflow of his nature. It rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines. Everybody in the world is experiencing the measure of God's goodness and his grace and his love and his kindness. Whether you know him or not, whether you believe in him or not, whether you respect him or not, you get the overflow of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Didn't say God so loved Christian. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten. God loves everybody. It's the love that God's pouring out that he's trying to use to draw people to him. We've given God a bad rap. God's not in the killing business. God's always trying to save. Let me read this. I brought my other translations of that verse in the book of Jonah. It's just so beautiful. I just wanted to read it in some other translations. Where were we reading? Jonah chapter, Jonah chapter 4. Verse 2, I'm going to read it in a few other translations. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation first, then I'll read it in the Message, and then I'll read it in the Contemporary English. They read it so plain and so clear in today's English, I just wanted you to hear it. This is why Jonah got angry. Listen, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And then he goes on to say, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, Jonah got so caught up in his own selfish pride. He says, Lord, you're not going to kill them. So just kill me. He said, I'd rather you just kill me now than I be left alive because I know you're not going to destroy them. Then how silly was that? Why would God kill him if he wouldn't kill them? (laughs) How silly was Jonah getting in his own mind? (laughs) So Jonah said, look, listen what he's saying. He said, listen, God, you're so good and kind and gracious. You're not going to kill them. So just go ahead and kill me. What sense does that make? If God is gracious and good and kind, he won't kill them. Why would he kill Jonah? He wouldn't kill Jonah either. And so Jonah is just full of himself. He's having a hard time. He's having a tough day. (laughs) He's having a bad day. I read it in the Message Bible. Here it is in the Message. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, 
I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Man, I love this. I love how clear that states to us why Jonah was mad. He was mad because God is so loving and so kind and so gracious. And then he goes on and he says, so God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. So Jonah was, once again, he's so caught up in himself. He's like, Lord, you're not going to judge them. So go ahead and just kill me. In other words, Jonah was saying, Lord, kill somebody, even if it's me. <laughs> I want you to kill somebody. Jonah wanted him to kill somebody. Jonah was ready for some action, man. Jonah was ready for some action. He was ready for some action. He's like, Lord, you got to kill somebody. Kill me then. He wanted God to do some killing so bad, and he knew God wouldn't do it. Let me read it in the CEV, the contemporary English version. Jonah was really upset and angry, so he prayed. Oh, Lord, our Lord, I knew from the very beginning that you wouldn't destroy Nineveh. That's why I left my own country and headed for Spain. You are a kind and merciful God. You are very patient. You always show love and you don't like to punish anyone. Now let me die. I'd be better off dead. (laughs) So Jonah, he's just talking out the side of his head. He's just talking out. He's frustrated because God is merciful. Because God is kind, because God is compassionate, because God is more interested in changing a heart than destroying a soul. God is not the destroyer. He is not the destroyer. He's the one that gives life. He gives it more abundantly to the full, till it overflows. Folks, that is our God. Praise God. Give him a little praise right there. That's our God. 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 He's so gracious. He is so kind. It's nothing he wouldn't do for you. It's nothing he would withhold from you. I mean, when I begin to really look at the way that Jesus answered people, he was always gracious. He was always willing. Anyone came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my servant's at home sick. Jesus immediately said, I will come. I will. Someone else said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me whole. Jesus said, I'm willing. I'll make you whole. There's nothing he won't do for us. There's nothing he withholds from us. Oh, man, it's nothing that his love stops short of in our lives. And when I begin to see that, man, it just changes my whole approach to God to know that he's willing, that he's for you. He's eager. He wants to. He's willing. He wants to. He'll answer your prayer. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petition with which we asked. If he hears us, he'll do it, in other words. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if he hears you, he'll do it. Praise God. That's our God. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. He is so gracious. I started, and I guess the Holy Spirit, he started leading me along these lines. That when I approach God, I hear him saying to me the same thing that I saw Jesus saying to people when they came to him. I will. It's my pleasure. I delight in doing it for you. I love to do it for you. That's the way we approach God. Because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's that good. He is that good. Isn't that good? Oh, man. I love that. I love that. I love that. 
Well, let me give you this. I'm running out of time, but let me give you this. So this crown, he crowns us with loving kindness, tender mercies. It's really God's grace poured on us. It's really God's grace poured out on us, upon us. But there are four things I want you to pick up here. Four things that I noticed about this crown. Four things I noticed about this crown. Number one, he crowns you with his love. He honors you with his love. And his favor is on you. It's a royal treatment. That's number one. He crowns you with his love. He honors you with his love. His favor is on you. It's a royal treatment. You're loved. You're honored. You're precious. Number two is lavish. The Bible says that he loves us lavishly. He loves us lavishly. He has lavished his love on us. First John chapter three says this. He has lavished his love. What kind of love is this that Father has lavished on us? He lavishes his love on us. He lavishes his love on us, which means that it's not sparingly given, it's abundantly given. I got this imagery. Whenever you see a coach win a championship, they never hand him a cup of Gatorade. They pour the whole container over his head. That's a picture of God, how his love is lavished on us. It's poured on us. He's poured his love on us. He's poured his love on us. He lavishes his love on us. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. One verse in the Bible I came across a while ago, and I love it. It says, I couldn't believe it said it, but it said this. God says, I would give up all of creation just for you. I would give up all of creation just for you. Oh, man, it's mind boggling how much he loves us. So number one, he crowns us with that love. Number two, he loves us lavishly. Number three, the crown is in the translation of crown is actually the word surround. The crown surrounds. So the crown circles your life. It circles your life. The Bible says in Psalms 5, he surrounds us with favor as a shield. And so it circles your life, it surrounds your life. So that's the favor of God surrounding your life in every area of your life. He surrounds you with favor. He surrounds you with mercy. Goodness and mercy follows you. You're surrounded by it. You're surrounded by it. So the crown actually means when you translate it, it actually means surrounds. So it's not just this little thing sitting on your head. It's something that surrounds your life. He surrounds us with favor. He surrounds us with mercy. He surrounds us with this grace in every area of your life. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you go, you're surrounded by it. And then the fourth thing. So the first is he crowns you with honor and love. Second is lavish. Third, he surrounds you. And then the fourth, this crown is a circle and a circle never ends. It's continuous. A circle is made in such a manner that it never stops. It's a picture that this love is unfailing, never comes to an end. He'll always love you. He'll always do you good. Jeremiah says, I will never stop doing you good. Praise God. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. Praise God. Praise God. Man. Oh, man, we're just having fun, and there's so much in Psalms 103. You find out so much about God and your relation to him and what he does for you in life. It just changes your whole viewpoint. Psalms 103 is so powerful. It's so powerful, and I'm just happy and delighted to have the opportunity to 
take my time and go through it. We're almost done. I just wanted to cover a lot of the key points, key verses in Psalms 103. But it's a powerful, powerful chapter. It's a powerful chapter. And we're grateful. We're grateful. And these are things you hold on to every day. These are things you hold on to every day. You live out of these things every day. Father, I thank you. You've forgiven me. You're always forgiving me. Father, you're always healing me. See, you remind God of these benefits because they belong to you. They belong to you. Father, you're always redeeming my life from destruction. You're always protecting me. You're always bringing me back stronger and better. You're always looking out for me. Father, you crown me with loving kindness, tender mercy. Then you go down those four things. You put your love and honor on me. You surround me. It's lavish and it never comes to an end. And so that's how you live out of this psalm. You live out of this psalm. Psalms 103. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not done. We're just having fun. Those of you who are watching us by television, I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can watch this entire series on Psalms 103, absolutely free of charge. You can also email it to a friend. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part 5 of the message titled Psalms 103 by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7957. That's 7957. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 7957 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Brothers of the Word.